Okay, let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we can gather, that we can fellowship, that we can worship you through uh, just our being together collectively, through our singing songs to you, uh, through studying of uh, the, the scripture. And so, Father, I pray that you would lead us today as we look at these uh, these four verses, um, that we would uh, see what is said here, how it applies to our life, that we would ultimately be moved closer to you. Uh, may our hearts uh, be made ready to, to break bread with one another, not with the donuts, but with uh, the Lord's Supper. Um, may we just understand what Jesus did for us. And Lord, may we offer our lives to you. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that you would do a work in our, in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, and within our congregation. And it's in Christ's good name, I pray. Amen. All right. First John chapter 4, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this time that we have to study these verses, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, so today I decided to to sort of just bite off a, a really small section. And the reason that I did this is, number one, I don't want to rush the Lord's Supper, that as we participate in the Lord's uh, Supper, that we understand what we're doing today and why we're doing it. And second, I want to keep the message short. And whenever I say that, it worries me because I know how pastors are, um, that they really they forget. And so I'm trying to talk to, to myself to say, keep it short, keep it concise, let's move on. Because after we take the Lord's Supper, I want to allow time uh, for us to sort of kick off Thanksgiving week with us active, like giving thanks. Melanie has a microphone ready to go. Um, like a couple times a year, we just do this where, where we, so after communion, I'm going to pass the microphone around. You're going to have the opportunity to sit, stand up and say, I am thankful to God for, so I'm giving you like a few minutes to so, if you don't like what I'm talking about this sermon, you can be thinking, what am I thankful for? <laughs> um, because that's coming. Okay, so we come to verse 13. We have these four verses. In these four verses, we see sort of the, uh, the tri-unity of God. The word Trinity isn't in the Bible anywhere, but it's seen. The, the fingerprints of the, the, the Trinity are there, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, we know in the scriptures that God is one, and yet... Throughout the scriptures, we see God speaking of himself in sort of the plurality. It begins in the very beginning of Genesis chapter 1, when God, as he's thinking about creation, and he talks about, let us do these things. He speaks about himself in the plural. And so it's, it's, it's a concept that it's beyond my mind, and I would imagine that it's beyond most of humanity's mind that that here you have one that exists in three persons. 
And so in today's section, we see uh, John speaking of the Spirit, we see John speaking of the Son, and we see John speaking of the Father. And in the midst of today's section, in four short verses, we see this idea of that we are in God and God is in us three times. Sort of the intimacy of God, this relationship and this capacity that we have to be in this, this, this fellowship, koinonia, super intimate relationship with God. That's sort of the big picture. So we see verse 13, by this we know that if we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And so we see this phrase, by this we know within uh, within the uh, letter of First John, this idea, uh, this phrase, we know, um, I can't go over every single time, but in this short little letter, John says this 17 times. This is a letter that John wants to provide assurance to those who are in Christ that they have this relationship with the Father. He gives these tests that you can sort of examine, um, not to shake your faith, but to affirm your faith um, to, to grow. And so here he says, by this we know that we abide in him and that he is in us because he has given us his spirit. And so here we have this, this picture of the Father providing his spirit, uh, this, this third person of the Trinity, uh, to us who he abides in us. Um, now it's important, I think, that uh, some people, when they start talking about the Holy Spirit, they believe and teach that God gives the Holy Spirit in sort of like a payment plan or installments that uh, at some point you're given a little bit of touch of the Spirit, and then as you sort of progress in the Christian faith, then you get more of the Holy Spirit, and then as you do certain things, then you're given sort of the, the whole reception of the Spirit. And I don't see that in the Scriptures. What I see in the Scriptures is that uh, at the moment of belief— you're sealed in the Spirit. That's what Ephesians 1.13 says, that at the moment of belief, when you've heard the gospel and that you respond to the gospel by faith, we're told that, that God baptizes you in the Spirit, that you're sealed until the day of redemption. It, it, it has been noted that while God gives us all of himself, often he doesn't get all of us in return. And I think that that's the greater problem. But here... What he says is that we can know that we have this intimacy with the Father, that we are in him and that he is in us because we have the Spirit of God within us. Ephesians 1.14 talks about uh, the Spirit being a pledge, like a down payment, a guarantee that we have within us until the day of redemption. Uh, Paul then speaks in Galatians 5, uh, 22 through 23, and he speaks of the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe that this is sort of evidence that we have within us that the Spirit of God is within us, that as we receive Christ, we are sealed by the Spirit. As we walk with him, the Spirit of God then begins to manifest his, his fruit uh, within us. This is a passage that's always fascinated me uh, because the fruit that is listed, um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These, the fruit of the Spirit, they're in the singular. They're, they're, they're one. It's not, a, uh, it's not like going down. Uh, I, I don't, I'm really sad now because I'm thinking about soup plantation. 
It's not like going down the it's not like going down the buffet line and picking and choosing the things that you like or you don't like. Uh, we don't have to have a moment of silence for supplantation, but in my heart, I'm like grieved by this whole. It took me like six months to delete the email that I, from the from the club veg, you know, that like we regret to inform you that due to COVID, that's what I'm most upset about about COVID is that supplantation no longer exists. But so we're told I'll move on because I have to move on. The fruit of the spirit that when you have the Spirit, these things, like as you walk with God, you begin to see the fruit of the Spirit sort of like being displayed in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These aren't things that my life was marked by before I knew Christ. And so we see that there's this promise of the Spirit. We see the evidence of the Spirit And we're told here that we can know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Our our salvation is not based upon our work. Our our security is based on Jesus' work, not our own work. And so we see this here. Now move on for, for time's sake. Verse 14, moving from the spirit to the son. Verse 14, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so this very first phrase, who, who, this very first phrase, who is the, the we? John is speaking of the apostles, those that walked with Jesus, who were there in the dust of his sandals, of, of, of this rabbi that as he walked along, they saw him, they touched him, they saw the miracles. John was there at the cross as he was being crucified. He saw him die. He saw him placed into the tomb. He saw him after he was risen from the dead. He saw him ascend into heaven. And so John is speaking on behalf of, of the apostles who are there. He's the last remaining apostle. And he says, we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so Jesus's point, his mission, was to be our substitute that he went to the cross instead of us, and he bore the wrath of the Father for our sins, past, present, and future. He absorbed the wrath of God in full. We're told just last week, I think we covered that word propitiation, that God the Father was satisfied with what Jesus did on our behalf. And so in Christ, he no longer sees our sin. He sees the righteousness of, of the Son in us. And so this offer is on the table for all. The Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So this includes you. You're included in this offer. And I would also say it's not limited to just us. This isn't some, some club that it's like Jesus came to die for me alone, and so we're going to have our little holy huddle uh, we see that we have been commissioned to go proclaim the good news to a world that is lost. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in him and he in God. So we see the second appearance of this, that, that God abides in us and we abide in him through the confession of Jesus as Lord. Uh, this isn't just lip service. This is, this is something more than just proclaiming because the evil spirits, they proclaim that Jesus is God. So it's not just the idea of like saying the words. I think it's, 
It's, it's not lip service, but it's life service. It's like, no, I believe that Jesus is God, that he came, he lived the perfect life. I am a sinner in, in desperate need of getting right with God. And Jesus' work on the cross, I believe, was sufficient for me. And I am giving my life to Jesus. So it's this confession, this surrendering of ourselves to what God has done for us. And so this is the transaction. And by believing in him, trusting in him with our all, we have this second assurance that we are in him and he is in us. Again, this is you don't get any more intimate than this. Verse 16, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And so this picture that sort of flows throughout 1 John is, is this uh, characteristic, this trait uh, that, that God is love. God is light, God is life, God is love throughout John over and over and over and over again. And so we as his followers are embraced by his love. It indwells us, it overflows from us. And he's saying that as we experience and exhibit the love of God, we have assurance that we are in him and he is in us. It is, it's really simple. Um, I, saw, I heard Alistair Begg say this once, and I thought it was really good. Uh, concerning this love, the love that was eternally in God and historically declared in Jesus is now being demonstrated visibly in us. And so you have this picture that God has always been love. Then Jesus came uh, in the incarnation. He, what we're going to celebrate in Christmas, that, that Jesus being God was God in eternity past, took on the form of man. And then as he lived his life, he lived out love. He demonstrated love for the world. And now as Christians, having received God, we live out our lives and the love of God is displayed to the world through us, or that's the aim. Um, <clears throat> so this is intimacy. And kind of following up from last week, the love of God, if you're in Christ, you need to just flip your light switch on. Like just let that circuit be connected. <laughs> like if you're in him, we do things that sort of like limit God's love from flowing through us. Okay, I'm on track of going slow or fast, whatever way it is. Um, <clears throat> so today we're going to take communion. Um, I'm going to have the guys come forward to pass out the elements. I don't know who's doing it. <clears throat> I want to make sure that we're saving room for the thankful game afterwards. So just start to pass it out. So this week, as I've been sort of contemplating these four verses, throughout these verses, over and over again, it kind of repeats that God has given, that the Father has given the Spirit, Jesus has given his life, his love is available, that, that it's clear um, that, that God is all in, that he has given all so that we might have this relationship with him. Um, the, the, the cracker is a symbol of Jesus' body, uh, that as he went to the cross, his body was like ruthlessly beaten. Um, ultimately, he gave his life. And so the cracker is this, this, this symbol 
uh, to remind us of the sacrifice that was done on our behalf, um, the penalty that was required uh, to bring about propitiation, satisfaction, that God's wrath was satisfied, that the punishment was complete once and for all. And then the cup is the a symbol of the new covenant, this eternal covenant through Jesus' blood. Um, the, there was a, an idea during their era, during the, the, the wedding tradition, you know, where as a church are the bride of Christ, uh, Jesus is the groom, and there's this, there's this separation. And during that day when a young man and woman were betrothed to one another and they were in the process, the, the groom would often like get a glass of wine and the glass of wine would be sort of symbolic saying, hey, I'm, I'm offering everything that I have of me to you. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to prepare a place for us, um, but I'm offering my life to you. And, and so often in communion, we recognize in taking this that Jesus is offering all to us. But then on the other side of the coin, for the bride to receive the cup, she was also saying, I accept your gift, and I also give you my life. And so today, as I've gone through this passage, it's like Jesus has offered everything for me, and have I given all to him? Am I all in? And so as we take communion today, I think that this is sort of the, the, the practice of communion is to remind ourselves of the basics. Jesus died for you. Have you received the gift? This is for those who have received the gift. It's a reminder to us that our relationship with God isn't contingent on our being, quote unquote, good Christians, about doing certain things. It's about abiding in Christ, the one who did it all for us. And so my prayer is that as we take communion, that we would come back to the heart of things and that we would just remember the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel, that Jesus did it all. As we sang earlier today, Jesus did it all. He paid it all, all to him we owe, not to get right with him, but because we are right with him. And so, Father, I do thank you for this this time that we uh, can come before you and confess our sins to you. Uh, We are thankful, as John reveals to us in this letter, that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just, and you uh, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that you uh, restore uh, fellowship that has been broken. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be like you, that we would be individuals who are quick to forgive because we have received much forgiveness. Father, we pray that we would be individuals who would love much because we have been loved much. And Father, I thank you uh, that this free gift that we receive in Christ was not a gift that was cheap. It was a gift that came at great sacrifice, that it required Jesus giving his all. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to see areas in our life that we're holding back, the areas that we're keeping sort of compartmentalized from you, and that we would be all in, that as we take this and we receive your gift, that we would offer our lives to you. 
Father, we pray that you'll continue to doing the work that you began in our life. Uh, We thank you, God, for loving us, for being so patient with us, uh, for leading us day by day. And I pray this all in Christ's good name. Amen. All right, we'll see if I can continue talking. Normally, I, I bail up from the stage now because I have crackers in my throat and I stick it with Dawn. <clears throat> but we're transitioning to, don't turn on the microphone yet because I've turned this off first. Um, in our family, we often play the Thanksgiving game. I'm not going to do the Thanksgiving game exactly how we do it. We're forced to do the whole alphabet. And... So I don't want to stick somebody with Q or, you know, X. And we're all thankful for X-rays. Um, <laughs> then I kind, of get, I kind of draw a blank after that. Um, but in Colossians 4.2, we're told to, devo- to, to devote ourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And so Thanksgiving is actually one of these holidays that I think that there's like a huge um, portion of Scripture that that commands children of God to to be grateful, um, to thank God for the things around us in our world of uh, discouragement and sort of just evil that's all around us. uh, it, it, It can be overwhelming. And what I've seen is that as people give thanks, and as I give thanks, it's sort of like this antidote. It helps us to put things in perspective. And over the years, every time I've done this, it's so funny to watch the room go from like somber, like, oh man, Gunnar's been preaching for a long time. Then by the time we're done with Thanksgiving, like the whole room is just sort of like elevated. And so I, I mean, I'll kick us off, is that um, I'm just super thankful for all of you. Like, all of you have made being a pastor here, and I'll speak on behalf of Melanie, like, I think being on staff, like, I know a lot of people, I should say pastors, who really don't even like being in their church, who, like, when they're on vacation, they they don't worship with their church family. Like, my family hates worshiping at other churches. Like, so on vacation, like, I'm, I'm at church because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor, and... And so I'm just deeply thankful for the culture of like love and care and like the, the family spirit within this congregation. It's a huge blessing um, to me and my family. Like I'm grateful, like I am the pastor here, but I'm also just gunner here. You know, like I'm just in the trenches with you all. And so I'm, I'm just deeply grateful for the friendship that I have within this congregation. So I'll turn off my microphone and then Melanie. Um, so I got a little choked up thinking about this, so I'm going to try not to cry, but, um, there's a verse, I had it on my phone, because I looked it up, Psalm 68, 6, God sets the lonely in families, and, uh, you know, I don't have a family, really, didn't grow up with a family, and when I thought about what a family was, to me it was like the Waltons, 
where everybody kind of loved each other, and like the biggest problem was that John Boy drank too much moonshine and learned a lesson. You know, they didn't really have big problems, and there wasn't like weird cousin Leroy that, you know, there wasn't any of that. It was just this perfect family, and so <clears throat> to be ch- part of a church that there's actually a family where there's flawed human beings and um, some some people are hard to love and some people are hard to like, and I'm that person to some people. I'm not, you know, any different. Um, but to just genuinely have that uh, family connection where where people have flaws and shortcomings and where I have flaws and shortcomings, the Holy Spirit comes in and and it's a supernatural kind of love that doesn't exist outside of a church family, I don't think. And it's, you know, the, it's bountiful here. And the lessons that I've learned from, you know, being the person who offended someone and fixing that and being the person who was offended and fixing that. And then the love increases even more. And it's all from God. It's just... It's not because I like the person or the person likes me. It's something supernatural, and I just think it's wonderful, and that's what I'm really thankful for. Thank you. Who's next? I'm thankful for donuts. Um, I'm going to start to cry. (laughs) Uh, Twelve years ago, um, I had to move in with my brother and sister-in-law. And due to circumstances, I am still there. And I thank God that they're both Christians and that I'm able to be there and that we are able to work through our difficulties as a family, (laughs) as Rachel said, too. But that they were willing to take me in and haven't kicked me out, (laughs) that I'm still able to live there because in this day and age, I can't afford to move out on my own anymore. So I'm very thankful for that. Thanks, Melanie. I'm thankful for you. I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for so many things um, about this congregation, and um, two of them are sitting. Well, th- now three are sitting right here, but um, two of my good friends are here, and I am very thankful for the um, women and men who are sharing the same season of life with little kids, and how loving this congregation is when our kids are like you know wrestling each other on the floor, and I'm up there, and I'm going, someone parent my child, please, <laughs> and I'm so thankful for Heidi, who jumps in, and just the love that this congregation has for each other is amazing, and I'm very thankful to be just sharing this season of life, and then also the intergenerational aspect of our congregation, I just, I love the wisdom that um, those who have already walked this path impart to us, and their encouragement, I'm looking at Sharon and Jim right here, they're always so loving, and um And then in addition, I also appreciate that we have multiple people and families in this congregation that um, understand the struggles of the lifestyle that we have in law enforcement uh, with my husband is often not here because of work. Here's a firefighter's wife. There's lots of law enforcement and fire here as well. 
And um, it's a unique lifestyle, and it has a lot of challenges. And so I'm thankful, and you are one of our chaplains for our department. So very thankful for that. Well, we're the newbies here, you know, and the circumstances that brought us here. I've uh, been in prayer for a long time for my son and his wife over here, <clears throat> and the Lord pushed us here. So they say everybody's moving from California to Texas. Well, this is the Texan that came to California. <laughs> but before we came, I was on the Internet looking for a church, you know. One of my biggest concerns when we, when we move, all the times that we moved in our life, you know, since we've been with the Lord, it's been a concern that finding a good church to start with. And we visited around here, you know, and we're here. And the Lord brought us here, as I say, for the wife and I that celebrate our anniversary together. The Lord uh, put us together, and he kept us together, you know. And uh, we're so happy to be here. The number of people here that we already met and love, and, you know, and we're thankful for a pastor that preaches the word. That was one of the most important things for us. We wanted, um, we wanted a pastor that preached the word, and we love him too. I've been listening to everybody, and there seems to be a theme here about the family, the church congregation. And um, when Gunnar said, I want to, you know, some people stand up and talk about what they're thankful for, the first thing I thought of wasn't necessarily the love in the congregation, but what I love is just seeing it acted out. You know, if somebody needs something, there's always somebody in church that's going to step up and spend the day doing whatever needs to be done to help them. And they're not going to want anything in return. They just want to do it because you're family and we're family. And it does, it's a testimony to the church, the family that we have here, and that's awesome. So I'm just thankful to be part of that. Okay. And I'm also thankful that I've got a happy, healthy granddaughter. So. You guys all wanted to talk at one time. I'm thankful for the awesome friends that uh, Grace Point has uh, shared with me and Barb, and uh, that they're just uh, really down-to-earth, humble, uh, generous people. I'm amazingly thankful for my wonderful, loving, supportive family and the fact that these good souls that are my family brought me to this church. Well, I, there's so many things to be thankful for. It's really hard to to list them out, but to um, move from Central California down to back to Southern California where I grew up, and then to have a by chance meeting of a, of a person who accepted the Lord and then um, a by chance, which all of this isn't by chance, by the way, this is his direction, to have a person that lives on that property direct them to come to this church, Christ directing my heart to make sure that that person is well-grounded and going to attend a grounded church and hear the word of Christ, the word of God preached. And then I was only going to be here for a couple of weeks to shepherd him into that. 
but on my own heart, I was looking for a church to, to worship at and to praise him. So uh, almost two years later, I am so thankful to be a part of this organization, this family, and it truly is a family with Christ, to grow with this group, to um, uh, trust or to obey his word, and to just seek his wisdom in this whole thing. And I'm very thankful to be a part of Grace Point. I'm very thankful, most of all, that the, that the Lord died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, and there are many. Wow, thank you. Um, I was just thinking, I, I live in my one little room, and why are you crying? <laughs> in, my do- in my daughter's house, and I moved, it, it's way back in the very back. I call it my war room. My little friend over there, she comes to visit me once a week, and uh, that's what we do, and i talking to my father. I just tell him all the time, what a privilege what a privilege you've given me because I'm not young anymore and I certainly didn't pray like then like I do now so what a privilege to pray when the Lord just puts on my heart maybe you know maybe from six churches ago or whatever what a privilege to pray I'm thankful for the men's Bible study that we have here at the church. <clears throat> Saturday morning, 7 a.m., there's coffee. And <laughs> like when I joined around a year ago, I was still dating Melanie, and I was talking to her about it, and I'm like, it seems like just a bunch of old guys. I don't know if I'm going to fit in. <clears throat> and it is, but I'm like, am, am I welcome to go? Is that cool? And she's like, yeah, go. And I'm like, all right, I, I'm tr- I trust you. Um, and it's just this really special group of, you know, nine to 12 guys and just men who are really seeking to dig into the word and, and just come to a deeper understanding of who God is. And it's just really, really special and um, just grateful for that group. You thankful for anything else? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> um, I'd like to say I'm thankful for my dad, first off, because every week he's so faithful to get up on stage and lead worship for us. But second, because he is an incredible example of what a father and a husband should be. And he has shown me so many, so many incredible things, taught me so much, and I just, I'm very thankful for that. I'd also like to be, voice my gratitude and thankfulness for Melanie, for all that she does behind the scenes that we don't even recognize. Um, her gentle, her gentle, sweet spirit is just, it's just like a steady stream around here, and I just truly appreciate it.
so I'm going to score. Don't get me wrong, you guys are all wonderful, but I really want to thank and be thankful for my best friend, who I wake up to next to, who does more than you guys will ever know and takes care of you all, too. It's been said already, but I'm going to say it again. Um, I'm just new to this church, and I'm so thankful that I was brought here, and I now have a new church family. (laughs) So I'm just so thankful and blessed. Um, I'm thankful that my mom and I found this church and that um, we both agreed that this was our home because we looked for about a year. So, um, and I'm thankful for my mom. Why are you crying? I don't know. (laughs) I get it from her. Um, I'm thankful that she lives with me and um, I can learn from her. And... um, I just enjoy this time together, and for I'm grateful for her sound mind. I just wanted to say I'm thankful for the message online that this church provides and all who are responsible for that. We've been on a kind of a long road trip, and I'm thankful for our safety and the, the joy we had on this trip. But one thing I miss Unlike when um, during COVID we had the music, <laughs> and that's the one thing when I tune in to listen, I, I miss the singing. <laughs> but thank you for that. Anybody else? I am. Th- Thank you for for the church family. Um, thank you for uh, thankful for those who have gone before us, been through the, the um, hard stuff. Um, and I'm th- thankful for for, for me. Um, hugs are important, so I'm thankful for the hugs, especially um, during this year. It's been tough, so. That those hugs mean a lot, and I'm thankful for for the legacy of those who are are, are gone. He said it already. <laughs> he, I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You guys can stand up. Oop, you guys can stand up, and the worship team can come forward, and I'll close us. Uh, I'll, I'll end, or not end. I'll pray, and then we can sing a song. Uh, Father, we do thank you again for this day. We thank you for this time with each other. I do pray, Father, that this week, uh, as we go into Thanksgiving, that you would cultivate a spirit of thankfulness within our hearts. That isn't just this week, but that we actually become people who are genuinely grateful people that uh, it plays out in our lives day in and day out, for we have so much to be thankful for. We thank you, Lord, for loving us, and we pray this in Christ's good name. Amen.